Okay, what's going on, everybody? It's Mitch here with another episode of the PTBO Housing Show. This is usually the episode where I would have a guest on. I actually had a segment planned for you on whether to buy or sell first in this market or in any market, really, and how to think about that. Um, but due to some technical difficulties, I'm going to have to postpone that episode, uh, working on some gear to do an actual uh, back to the whiteboard chats for you guys. It's a lot of work running this thing, technical technical gear setup stuff that uh, if one piece of my puzzle breaks, I'm not that good at fixing it with, <laughs> with this camera and audio stuff. So um, it's a whole different game. I'm supposed to be a real estate guy. Uh, but, but with that being said, what we're going to do uh, for this show is go back to what everybody loves and we're going to just focus on the market because there's so much changing and moving all the time right now. Every week is relevant. Every week stuff is happening. Um, you know, we got headlines coming across. I saw some this week coming out saying, you know, your, your mortgage payment could go up by as much as 40% over the next few years if you bought at the peak and types of things that, that are really, you know, crazy splashy headlines like there always is uh, with the Canadian real estate market. So um, we're going to do what we do. We're going to dive into that stuff and talk about it. Uh, so I'm going to start the segment with the seven day review of the stats in the city and then the 30 day. And that's going to lead us into all kinds of other stuff because I would say the numbers tell a story. Um, so let's get into it. Seven day review here. It is Tuesday as I'm shooting this. This is June 14th. And going back the last seven days in Peterborough County, we had 116 new listings come on and 46 firm sales. Now that's a net total of 70 new listings within that seven day snapshot. And that's the highest number I've seen all year for any seven day period. And I've been tracking this basically every single week and, and recording it here for you guys all of 2022 you know so we're you know we're getting into halfway through 2022 that's the highest number i've seen and it's june this is not meant to be uh, you know peak season in the real estate market so we're through the spring market that's an abnormally high number uh and and i think it's indicative of the fact that the buyer sentiment has really really changed here so um 30 price decreases in the same period let's look at the 30 day here currently in the city of peterborough not the county just the city 181 active listings sold in the last 30 days 94 firm sales so we divide those two numbers into each other how many active listings there are divided by the firm sales that's your months of inventory that's if no new listings came on today how long would it take to burn through all of our inventory you guys know i love using the analogy all the time is how much if you had how much savings in the bank uh, how long would it take you to burn through it? That's a way to think of mentally, you know, how tight or how, how, how loose of a market are we in, uh, in terms of inventory and we are approaching, that's 1.92 months of inventory. So we're really quickly approaching two months. And those are numbers we haven't seen in it's years now. Uh, we, we, we didn't even crack really above the one month of inventory all of last year. So, uh, inventory quickly on the rise, the rate that inventory is on the rise still seems to be strong. So where does that take us from here? Um, really, 
how do you think about this market? It depends who you are and what you need to do in it. If you are a lateral mover, if you have a house to sell and you got to buy a place because you're moving up because you just had another kid or if you're moving down because your kids have all moved and you've got a place to sell, all of these headlines don't really affect you quite the same because no matter what, you're planning on having your money in the market, aka you plan on owning a home unless you deem it to be appropriate for your lifestyle and the cost benefits trade-off is worth it for you to sell everything and try and rent and and make a big play on this whole thing and if your wife's going to let you do that and and if everything lines up that that you think you're going to try and sell and somehow maneuver around this market and capitalize on it all by not simultaneously selling and rebuying and having a new home on the other side of it. I'd say you fall into a unique group of people. Um, and, and, and the prime time to have made that move is, is, is long past. Uh, arguably there still could be some merit to it, depending on what the market's going to do. But nonetheless, let's get back to talking about people who have to sell and then buy, whether they're upsizing or downsizing or just moving cities. Um, because for those groups, no matter what's going on with all this doom and gloom, I mean, hey, if mortgage payments, if the interest rate's about to go up, uh, you know, double, then it's going to affect you whether you own a new residence or you're in your current residence. Eventually, it's going to catch up with you because sooner or later, your mortgage is going to come due with your, if you're in a fixed term. And if you have a fixed rate, sooner or later, it's going to come due. You're going to have to renew. You're going to have to face these rates at some point in time. The thing to be cognizant of is that when you're buying right now, if you're making that move and you're taking on more leverage than what you had before, is it's okay to make these moves, but you got to future proof and protect how much your payment might rise. Most people aren't opting for a fixed rate right now. Uh, the advice on that really can vary and it depends on what your risk tolerance is. A lot of lot of sort of market wisdom out there is 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 alluding to the fact that these variable rates will still never reach higher than the fixed rates are right now. And you got to remember that these fixed mortgage rates are just based on the five-year Canadian bond. They just track right with that. And that's moving all the time rapidly right now. I'm starting to see uh, fixed rates pushing over 5%. And a lot of people out there saying that if the interest rates, if the variable rates ever got above four and a half. Uh, that it, it's totally going to flatten things right now. And, and I mean, hey, that's not to say that that can't happen. You got to remember, um, th- there's a good book out there called The Black Swan. And it, it it's, it's alludes to an effect that can happen where everybody wants to discount these really rare or seemingly rare, really, really bad things, uh, ability to happen. Um, just because what, what they would mean for the future if they did happen is, is just so brutal that people think, ah, there's no way that can ever play out. Uh, but time and time again, they, they, they do happen and history repeats itself. So, I mean, Hey, there's a possibility that things could, could get ugly here, but, um, let's not jump to that conclusion yet. Um, let's, let's focus a little bit more on what's, what's real in the here and now. So if, if you're a mover, a buy and sell mover, if you own a property right now and prices are about to go down, they're about to go down whether you own the one that you live in that doesn't work for you anymore or whether you own the one that works for you. <laughs> so unless you're going to try and go find something to rent and, and the rental market is tight and it's nasty right now, and that's another uh, element to the discussion, mind you, is that the rental market is surging. 
which shows that the demand for dwellings for shelter is not solved. Buyers are there. They're sitting on the sidelines. They're just waiting because why buy today when it might be less expensive tomorrow? And until everybody sees a clear plateau or bottom to this thing, there's just so many people sitting on the outs. Um, but rental rates are surging, and I think they're going to continue to do so, especially with their immigration next year. Uh, I keep hearing uh, figures thrown around that you know, most new immigrants, new residents of Canada take two to three years before they buy. They're going to rent for that long. So now we're going to add 1.3 million people um, over the next few years, and they're going to be pushed into an already surging rental market. Sorry, guys. Shut the phone off here. Um, they're going to be pushed into an already surging rental market. Uh, it, it means that as a, as a landlord, uh, owner out there as an investor buyer, you might have some headroom in terms of what your cost might be over the next five years versus what your projected revenues might be. But for that to happen, obviously you need turnover. Um, you go ahead and get a beautiful market rate rent right now. And even if those rents keep rising, you can't realize them as an owner. So you, you know, uh, but it's something to bear in mind if, if you've got more exposure to turnover, if you're in a larger multi, you might have uh, some, some really great rents coming up over the next couple of years. Um, and, and that's also a factor to consider on some of these little single families out there is that already cash flow is returning. And as these uh, interest rates keep going up, more people sit on the sidelines, the prices are dropping, you're getting deeper and deeper into cash flow territory. Uh, because for anybody who's actually sat on a mortgage calculator app and, and just penciled in uh, how much these uh, 50, even 75 basis point rate hikes make on their monthly mortgage payment, it's not that significant in in the lower purchase price brackets when you're looking at some of these secondary suite opportunity bungalows in town and it in terms of how much the rental rates are going up right now they're they're really keeping track with each other um and and in my opinion this is the way that i always try and view this stuff is that a lot of this stuff boils down to the really just the same basic laws of physics is that you, you can't block one thing and not have it reappear somewhere else. So, you know, energy is, is not created or destroyed. It, it just changes form. So you take all this pressure that was in the buying side of the market uh, based on some supply demand fundamentals that were totally out of whack. And now people are scared to buy because the price are dropping. It doesn't mean that there isn't people out there that, that don't need shelter. So it's got to, it's got to reappear somewhere. So it's, it's, it's currently appearing in the rental markets. Um, and there's stats starting to show up that rents all across Ontario, there's data showing that rents all across Ontario are, are surging right now. Um, I have one anecdotal story from, from a client that, you know, with no coercion or prompting of his uh, just trying to get a place rented for what he thought was already a good price basically turned into an unprompted bidding war uh, when people aren't getting the responses in the time that they would have expected they they're they're realizing that they might not have uh, gotten the gotten the gig and they're they're responding hey I'll pay more I'll pay this I'll pay that um, and, and, and these are on some some high ticket I would say high ticket rental rates or, or, or locations where the type, the people that are affording these types of properties are not unable to afford a mortgage at the current point in time, unless their credit is absolutely destroyed. <laughs> these are people that can afford to buy a house. So they're opting to sit on the sidelines. Um, so, so it comes back to sentiment right now and sentiment is not good. Uh, and, and here's the thing. 
everybody knew that this thing needed to cool down. The banks knew that it needed to cool down. Uh, the Bank of Canada knew that it needed to cool down. And just watch how the media outlets get on board with the narrative of the governments. You know, and we're not going to go too far down this path, but let's just watch. I just want to mention the market is 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 cooling down a lot. I think more than what the uh, you know regulatory powers that be would have anticipated or at this point are currently even aware of the amount of momentum and the amount of parts in motion uh, leading towards, you know, downward pressure um, within the real estate markets, not just in Peterborough, but across Ontario is significant. And and it's not easy to stop it overnight. It's like a train uh, that's rolling just like on the way up. It's not easy to slow it down. And, and, and now on the way down, this is just a big moving machine and there's a lot of things um people already forecasting further out into the future for how long uh the wreckage could go on here and inventory starting to pile up um so just just wait and see now <laughs> just watch how much longer can this go on until um you know they start re-spinning the message about what's going to happen with interest rates and how the newspapers start publishing their messaging about, you know, have we reached the bottom instead of the forecast, you know, market could lose 10 to 20%. Um, I mean, in, in most historical collapses or crashes, 10 to 20% is not, that's not an option. It's all or nothing. It's on or off. It's like a lights on or off. Um, so, so it's like either there's no correction or when the correction comes, it's, it far exceeds 10%. That's not a correction. And, and I would say 20% is not a correction either. And in a lot of places, we've already seen those kinds of numbers. So for them still to be saying that, um, is, is, you know, are they saying that we could see 40% from, from peak to trough? Um, cause that would be a, more like a true correction. Um, so just wait and see everybody who's out there now, now moving on to market segments and uh, sorry if I'm hopping around, there's, this is obviously, there's a lot of meat on this bone, um, is if you are in a discretionary position where you can sell now, or you can sell later and you can buy now, or you can buy later, but you don't have to do both. If you're selling and you're leaving the market, AKA if you're selling an investment property, or if you're selling and moving to Arizona, a different market where the same fundamentals don't apply, or if you're a first-time buyer, um, or if you're moving from another city that didn't have the same fundamentals and moving into, into Peterborough or Ontario, you have to look at this uniquely about your launch point, about when do I get into the market, how do I do it. Um, the, the reality is, is that a lot of this is based on the sentiment and that the government is in somewhat control, uh, steering the ship and they have a couple of choices to make is whether to try and beat inflation, um, or, or try and steer clear of a total collapse in the housing market and a recession. And it's going to be a delicate balance and they're probably going to have to try and play both sides a little bit here to, to keep the confidence of the people that yes, we're trying to get cost of living under control. We know that inflation's out of control. Uh, we understand that people can't afford the groceries or the gas. Um, but Hey, we're not going to let the market collapse either. And they really don't have a lot of play. They don't have a lot of leverage. They're painted into a corner uh, because they had rates too low for too long. Um, my, you know, most factors are indicating that they should have started this, this uh, tightening, uh, a long time ago. And in all reality now, uh, they're, they're going to be sort of playing between two sides of, of inflation, curbing inflation 
and preventing the collapse. And you're going to watch them squirming in the next, uh, you know, half a year uh, until it, something breaks or one side or the other prevails and they know that they just have to flat out ditch one side of the argument and chase the other for example if they know that the the housing market is absolutely collapsing to a point that could be really detrimental to the canadian economy uh, for a longer period of time than what they deem healthy then maybe they come back and save it and just continue to cook the books on inflation and then they switch their narrative to hey we're 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 going in we're diving in to save the housing market and you know, people's reactions will shift with that. And they have that power to be able to pick which side they're going to want to gear towards. Um, at least what which side they want to, of the story they want to choose to pick. Now, if they get a little too friendly on the housing market, um, inflation is real. It's there. It's terrible. Um, it's, it's driving people to not be able to afford uh, a basic cost of living. Um, and, and that pressure cripples people. Um, where, where, you know, you want to talk about the broad span, you're moving into mental health issues. Um, you know, talk to somebody honestly, who's, who's paycheck to paycheck and they're trying to work overtime hours to continue to pay those bills. And they've got young children that they aren't spending enough time with. And, and you know, that this cannot go on forever. Someone can sustain that for a period of time, but then they'll break. Um, they'll either go bust or, or they'll turn to some sort of, of uh, you know, substance abuse to keep them going and, and, and sort of try and uh, affix uh, on this current reality uh, uh, some version of what they, they thought their ideal life was. Um, and, and so it's either way, I, I'm sorry if this is a bleak message, but um, it, there's really no super easy way out of this. So all that you can do as an individual is try and navigate it the best way that makes sense for you. And it's not going to make the, the same, this, the answer is not going to be the same for two individuals. It's going to be different for everybody. So part of what you got to do as a, a, you know, an astute uh, Canadian trying to manage their, their, uh, their ruples is, is you got to watch the signaling of the government and try and understand that it really falls down to this fundamental tackle inflation uh, at the risk of crashing the economy via the interest rate or be overly friendly to, to you know, pandering to, to trying to save this housing side of things um, and not being willing to, to totally flatten it uh, in and dive us into a recession and then watch inflation go and 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 then watch the government try and chase chase the their tail with subsidies um to try and make up for people's inability to to cover their cost of living and then and then a whole new layering of of um minimum wage increases basic income and there's a possibility that they take that route so if they do um, then, then it means that the carnage in the real estate industry could be less severe than what one would forecast right now if you're going to uh, take the position that they might leave it for dead and, and chase inflation. Um, so those are really the two two sides of, a, of the coin. And you, you just watch the headlines. Watch what they say they're going to do. And then are they actually doing what they're going to do? Because they'll signal it before they actually do anything. You know, before they rose raised these interest rates, even in IOTA, uh, they talked about it over and over and over the forward signaling was was you know painful how long they dragged everybody through this um so now now will they be quicker to switch 
will they actually act if they if they indicate they're going to do anything different or when they act, when they indicate towards the future uh, are they going to act you always got to watch what are they saying they're going to do what do they actually do and what are the signals that they're actually telling me because right now um, as it appears they're 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 tightening quickly they want to get up to that sort of neutral zone with interest rates uh, closer to you know in around three to four percent where there's a bit of a cost of money where you have to make smart decisions with it you don't buy it to speculate you don't you don't borrow to buy assets that are inflating at a quicker pace than uh your your uh liabilities on your debts they want to get to a point where there's a little bit of a negative incentive to borrow enough that you have to have a really good idea or reason uh if you're you know in a in a business and you want to extend credit you have to you have to undertake activities that are actually yielding enough return that it's going to cover that interest so there's got to be a bit of a, a cost to play and they got to get into that zone uh of, of interest rates and once they get there, it's obvious they're going to have to get there. They're, you know, that the, the, the prime rate is going to have to cruise somewhere closer to 3%. But once they get there, what happens and what do our markets look like at that point? And are they having to pull back and revert course and say, we screwed up, we're going the other way, cheaper money? Or are they actually going to let this thing really collapse? And that's the question that you've got to ask yourself. Um, so I would say, if you're a first-time buyer and you're about to enter the market, what do you do? Uh, patience is definitely uh, a virtue at this point in time. Inventory, it doesn't seem to be. It's continuing to come on. You've got time. Get out there. Educate yourself. Be prepared in case there's strong signaling that things are going to go the other way. Because once the government makes their mind up that they're going to pick which side of this uh, story they're going to be on, then if they actually follow through with it, they can actually change the course of events. Um, but until then, go out there, get educated, see what's out there for the money. Um, be conscious that the cost of you know your payment could rise um, if you're if you're getting into a variable across the lifeline lifetime of your of your purchase, and that also prices could continue to go down in the next little while. So. Um, if you were to find, if you're looking for something very specific, if you, if you're about to have children and you want to live on the same street as your parents and they live on a street, you know, say like McRae or something in Peterborough, that's just rare to have houses come up. Um, and you see one, it, it's not to say that, that, that you're an absolute idiot if you buy one right now. Um, but, but I would say that you want to future proof yourself the best you can, you know, how long would it be until I saw another one on McRae come up? Is there any reality, you know, go back in history. Is there, you know, how many get listed on the street in a year? Okay, is it, oh, there's only one a year, two a year? Um, could, do I want to wait another year? Do I have to be on the street? What would happen if I bought this house and I saw that the price had dropped by $80,000? How would I feel, you know? And if it dropped even more than that and it didn't recover back up to the baseline price that I would bought it for for five years, how would I feel? You got to ask yourself all these questions. It doesn't mean that everything's totally just black or white. Um, but you got to ask yourself these types of questions. Uh, and, and then in, in terms of future proofing yourself, all you can do is go out there and get the best deal you can get. Um, I mean, Hey, when there's, when you're sitting there and you're looking at, uh, you know, January this year where there's only three little brick bungalows for sale in the entire city. Yeah. They're going to go for $200,000 over, over asking. And then when you're sitting there, um, looking at MLS today and, and there's 20, 30, 40, uh, little bungalows listed for for five ninety nine. One of those forty people is willing to take less money than the than the rest of them. You know what I mean? So it's it's one of those types of things where 
not all those 40 sellers are going to have the same motivation level. Some of them are, are going to be of the opinion that the market's going to rebound. They're going to try and hold it out. They're going to wait it out, whether or not it's to their better judgment or not. But but in the pack, there's going to be varying levels of motivation. So um, if your absolute utmost goal is that, yes, I want a house, I got to start a family and do this, I'm going to do that. All you can do is try and get ahead of this trend as far as you can so that in case it keeps going that direction, you're in the right place. So... Um, I think that that pretty much covers it for now. On the sell side, I mean, realistically, the getting still good. If you bought any time outside of like three years ago um, and, and, and you want to cash out, you know, don't, don't lose a lot of sleep trying to, you know, 50 grand here, 50 grand there in the scheme of being uh, uh, somebody who's probably uh, received a windfall of two, 300,000. Um, th- that's a less concerning question <laughs> in my opinion versus the, those entering the market for the first time or investors looking to enter the market. Um, but, but again, and when you look at, at who's buying out there, what's going on when you see there is some transactions, who's doing this stuff. I mean, lateral movers, you guys got the green light. You got to do what you got to do for your life. And if you already own a house for good or for bad, you're in that market. So you might as well be living in something that you like. Um, so anyways, I think that's plenty for this week. I hope everybody took some value out of that. I uh, hope, hope I didn't uh, worry anybody with my comments. Um, but hey, just be smart, everybody. Watch the newspapers, um, you know, watch the headlines. Don't spend too much time on Instagram. And, uh, you know, listen to people, <laughs> listen to people that, that you believe share your core fundamental philosophies um, because that's another thing I'll mention a lot of time you're reading, you know, e- even in, in, in the big news outlets, you don't know these authors, you don't know their incentives, you don't know their motivations, you don't know their underlying beliefs. Um, you don't know their biases and those are all baked into what they say is, is as neutral as they try and be. So, you know, get out there and try and find people that you resonate with. Um, you know, for everybody who listens to this show, uh, for advice, I thank you for that. I take it very seriously the way that I try and speak to an audience and to our clients to advise them, uh, because we're dealing with people's lives here. Um, so, so find people that, that you find resonate with your core underlying principles and understandings of reality people that perceive reality to exist in the same way that you do. So not skewing information versus your own way that you want to understand it. Um, Because we all want to make smart moves, but at the end of the day, you can't guarantee you're going to make the right one every time. And at the end of the day, uh, if you made a bad move, you're going to at least feel better about it if you think that you did it for the right reasons and that you made all the considerations you can. Because there's a lot of moving parts out there. Um, you can't win every time. I used to play a lot of poker, um, and, and, and it's a beautiful game. And and I always remember, you know, sort of the, the slogan is that you got to, um, you know, you can't get down. You got to reward reward the, the correct action, not always the result. So if you play a smart game and you manage your, your, your bankroll properly, you know, you don't make dumb bets with dumb hands, you, you uh, proportionately uh, limit how much you, you value you place on every hand based on the total amount of money you got. You got to play the same way in life. You don't go make big, huge all-in bets if it's totally going to wipe you out. And if for some reason you can't live with the reason you made that decision. Um, you know, so for anybody who plays poker, you got pocket aces and you're going to go all in and you're the short stack and you get wiped out. 
you got to be able to live with that. Anybody who knows plays poker is going to know what I mean. But it's 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 the type of thing where you can only get gather so much information in these situations, and it is so dynamic. It is so outside of your control as the average person in this society that at the end of the day you got to get most of the way there and the rest is a gut and it's got to be good enough and you got to make a jump and you got to do what you believe is right for you and you got to be willing to live by the consequences if you made a wrong judgment because not everybody's going to get it right out there uh and 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 that's just how it is so anyways hope everybody enjoyed the show i'll look forward to catching up with everybody next week and have a great weekend guys